podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to 1865 and we're delighted to finally bring you the second part of our interview with Grant Holt, ex-Forest player from the Noughties. We'll be back in another couple of weeks with our pre-season preview, but in the meantime, enjoy our 63rd and final podcast of the 22-23 season. It's over to Tom and Stephen. So in the summer of 2006 then, um, Colin Caldwell comes in and I think you score 16 goals in your first full season at Forest. How did you get on with uh, Colin Caldwell when he arrived at Forest? Um, <clears throat> I actually got, I see Cole quite a bit actually, every now and again on the scene. So um, we always laugh because obviously when he's, when he's at, um, he came to Norwich, obviously he was assistant manager at Norwich after he'd been manager. And I always say to him every single week, I said, if only you were as good as a manager as you were as assistant, you'd have been all right, Cole. And we just <laughs> laughing at him. I've got the utmost respect for Cole. I've, he's a great guy. Um, he's a really good coach. In my opinion, as a manager, I just didn't think it suited him. I don't think he could. I don't think he could really show what he was like as a manager, as a person. Um, I think the pressure sometimes at times got to him. Um, I probably had a decent enough relationship with him without being brilliant relationship with him. In terms of look, it's always hard. He he's got a team of footballers to pick, and I want to play every week. Um, I just always felt I was always one game off being left out and. No matter what I'd done, I always felt that I was never going to play. I was never part of his plans, and I don't think he fancied me. He he could tell you something completely different, but if you look at where it was, I used to. We'll get on probably the second season in a minute, but I used to always say, if you, if you look at my second season, every single game I played, every single game I started was always a tough away day or a tough home game. It was never an easy one, so you can either take that as a compliment or not, which meant he could put me in a game and knows exactly what he's going to get on me playing left wing but what then happened was we then go and play a, a Barnsley at the time we weren't really playing well or a Colchester or a, a Chesterfield or something like that I'd have done the tough away game at Leeds playing left wing getting no chances and all of a sudden then I get left out and then we go and beat Chesterfield 4-0 and I'm sitting on the bench not playing so that was always kind of my argument it was a little bit like I'd do all the, the groundwork and then I'd be the one that was getting left out and in the second season he just kind of kept Heating up and heating up. And obviously it didn't help the, the fact that he tried to sell me to Bristol City in, in mid-season, so which is not not ideal. We couldn't really understand it as fans either, why he was playing you on the left. When you had somebody there like Nathan Tyson, who was probably more suited to that kind of role. Did Coldwood ever explain to you why he put you there and what his thinking was? Not really. I think it's just because he knew I'd work hard. I think that's. I think that's the one thing I've always done in my career. That I never really give anyone an easy ride. So <laughs> it was always easy for me playing wing anyway. I quite enjoyed it at times anyway because he had Chris Commons on the other side. So and you know what Chris is like. Every time he comes inside, he's either shooting or he's whipping it back stick. So for me, it was a dream playing with Chris because we knew what each other was going to do all the time. My job was to get whoever it was over, like play it wide, let it go out to Chris. I just get in the box. That was kind of my job. But because, of, look, I wasn't bothered. I, I'd have played left wing all this, every single game of the season. It wouldn't have bothered me. As long as we got promoted or we were there, thereabouts, that was fine for me. So it just always seemed like when it suited, I was the one that got left it out. And the fact that when I was still kind of knotting around it and they tried to sell me to Bristol City in, in December, knowing that my wife had three weeks to she dropped with the baby, 
and I just bought a house that I thought was really poor. And and once that happened, the relationship was kind of done for me. So um, regarding Nottingham, then, did you settle really quickly here? Because obviously, I know it's not, you've been um, to Sheffield Wednesday, which is only an hour away, but everything. did you settle quite quickly in at Nottingham and how did you find it? Yeah, no, really quick. I said we we knew where we were, we were kind of in that transition anyway. We'd already kind of been um, we're getting married in the summer, so we knew me and the wife were going to come down and get a house and stuff anyway. We knew we were going to predominantly start having kids, so she's already. Um, we knew where we we're going to go with that, so we kind of got in. We got down early. We got got a house just to put um, in Ruddington. Yep. So we kind of yeah. there was a new state someone had built in. We kind of knew my next door neighbour was Sammy Klingon. James Purse lived over the road. Nathan Tyson came around the corner. So we kind of had our community quite quick, really. So um, the only thing is, Sammy Kling was a young lad then, and I had to do everything for him because he was bloody useless. But apart from that, it was all right. <laughs> uh, how did you find the nightlife in Nottingham? Uh, yeah, it was good. Look, I, I enjoy it. I, I always like going back as well. I, I like Nottingham as a, as a place, as a city. I actually love it. Um, it's got better and better as the years have gone on. I think the nightlife, nightlife's got a bit worse, but the, the, the restaurants and the bars have got way better. Um, well, yeah, I said, look, we, I had nights out, but I didn't have too much. We had we had a young, young our baby was due, and then we had the other one, so we had two young kids there. But as a, as a place to bring up the kids and and kind of have all the stuff around there, it was really really good. I said that. Look, it was one of the places where I'd, I'd been there probably. I think Nottingham was the second longest I've ever been at a football club, so I think it was only Norwich that beat them by about half a year of it was. So, um, I think it shows how much. How much I liked it, and to be honest, even when this, when I got told I was gonna, I could leave if wanted to, I was still apprehensive because I still had a feeling that Colin might get the sack within three months or four months, and I would could have been in the championship with Forest and still be in a, in a city that I, that I really really liked at a club that I, I loved being at. Do you know what I mean we had some great players, some great people behind the scenes, and it was a little bit like I still thought should I stay, should I should I go? But I was looking on YouTube the other day. Um, of your forest goals and even though you scored quite a few there's only one goal on YouTube but I know YouTube wasn't big then as it is now but you scored um, against Charlton in the FA Cup and your celebration was shooting your teammates was that Call of Duty or something like that? Call of Duty, yeah. Call yeah. Of Duty. <laughs> was you any good at it? <laughs> Alright yeah not too bad not too bad Scott Dobie was the best he was unbelievable I think Scott was like at one point Scott Dobie was in the top 100 in the world at sniper he was <laughs> he was that good. He was that good. Yeah, we used to have a right crew. We had, that's what I said. We had we had a really good group. As everyone used to play on Call of Duty, I said in, we had the tournaments where we used to go on the 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 old PSP things on the buses and do all that and play. Then it was Mario Kart and all sorts. So we look. The, I actually love like the players. I still speak to a lot of the players now. I was speaking to I was with Ian Brecken last week. I speak to Sammy Klingon. He's just now been there. Uh, fireman I was with Luke Chambers bumped into him in the airport the other week Perch I spoke to the other week so they still speak to a lot of boys f- from there so um, I said it was just a perfect mix we had a really good mix of young up and coming good good players and some good pros in and around it and, and they're a really good bunch I said well, I was very fortunate to be part of that dressing room good stuff I think one of the first games that you played on the wing was in the next round of the cup against Chelsea. Chelsea, yeah, Stamford Bridge. Yeah, and that was that was another argument they had with him. So with three 0 down at half time, he's playing me left left of a left of a three, and then you take me off at Stamford Bridge at half time. What? It's my fault. 
you play me you play me left wing on the on the against Chelsea and all of a sudden you're blaming me and only taking me off on the pitch. It's just yeah. And that was that was positions. I, I get it, do you know what I mean? Someone's gotta come off. But it's like you've decided to play me left wing, you know I'm a centre forward. So do you know what I mean? And then and also a little bit of frustration at the time was Junior God rest his soul, he wasn't even playing that well at the time. He wasn't really scoring that much. He wasn't really doing that much. So my argument was, well, hang on, give me a, give me the games against the Chesterfield, this that, and the other, and see how I get on. I'm yeah. just using Chesterfield fans. I'm going to be happy with me because I've slagged them for about three times. Reference, and that's what that was my frustration. I scored 18 goals the year before, so we now had a more settled team, a more consistent team, and I never got a chance to play through the middle. So that that was kind of always my my scenario. It's a little bit like, well. Why, why am I the one who's getting left again when you play me in that position? So, and then it sums up again the week after. I think I can't remember we played the week after. I, I got left out again. Well, what against that team? But you play me against Chelsea, and that's where I could never work out. And that's where I just kept on getting every week more and more frustrated and more and more frustrated. Um, but at the same point, when you put the jersey on, you still do the job for whatever t- the team you get. Do you know what I mean? So at the end of that season, we play um, Yeovil in the uh, playoffs. I think you was injured for the first leg, but you did come on for the second leg. But I don't think you was anywhere near uh, fit because I don't know what injury um, you had. Um, with Forest, um, I think they were three one up on aggregate. Um, yeah. Do you what went wrong in that game? Because it was. I know we lost the game and everything. Did you think that the game? Well, I know you didn't play in the first leg, but did some players think? Because you've um, got the away trip out the way with it, Yeovil and one two nil. It was a trip to Wembley. It was already in, in the bag. It was Cardiff actually, Millennium. Oh, of course it was. Yeah, sorry. Thought well, we missed out on that one. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I had um, I needed a double hernia operation, so I'd had it. I'd literally played for the last twelve weeks, and we knew it needed done. So I was literally like finished the game, ice pass, finished the game, ice pass. So we knew we weren't going to risk it playing in the game anyway, so I was always missing that game regardless of what happened. Um, I was still shocked when I came on in the second game because there was literally like 15 minutes to go and there was no need for me to go on the pitch, realistically. Um, I just thought, I think it was just a combination. Like, they had nothing to lose. It got the time in the game where it was like, spin a coin and go and do, go and do what you need to do. Um, yeah. And then play your thing. Wes, Wes ended up giving the ball away and giving a sloppy goal away, which kind of give them a bit of momentum. Um, then the third goal was, um, we had a corner. I think we had a corner and the, the ball's gone in. For some reason, we've floated right in the goalkeeper's hands. He's clean. And I think Marcus Stewart scored to make it 3-3. Yeah. Um, Gary Holt then scored the volley and then they, con- no, did they concede? And I can't remember which one it was. I think Aaron Davis scored and then Holt, he scored a volley or whatever it was to get us back in it. Then obviously, Prutz got sent off, which didn't help. And then we had Alan Lee, um, Alan Wright, who then got then got double cramp and he had to go up front for the last 15 minutes. He was just got, I think it was just a culmination of just everything went so wrong within the space of time. And they just kind of got that emphasis and kind of took it from there, really. But as I said, we shouldn't have been in that position anyway. I think we should have we should have been up in automatics anyway. We shouldn't have got to that playoffs anyway, I don't think. But yeah. Um up until well, well, the season before what's just gone, um, our record in the playoffs was pretty awful because a couple of years before the overall game, we played Sheffield United and then we played uh, Blackpool, um, I think it was in uh, 2010. And these playoff matches, uh, for some reason, I don't know if it's the city ground or what, but they're just crazy matches in like 
certain things happen which you never even thought would happen i.e the overall game where you're thinking we'll just see the game out and then obviously they win it 5-4 on aggregate and everything so they're just crazy games aren't they the playoffs uh, you just never know what's going to happen and to be fair the thing was more annoying was it, it was unlike us because we were normally pretty good at seeing games out like quite solid and we've done the right things and it was kind of I don't know if it's just got a little bit too relaxed I think obviously not blaming Wes. Well, I can blame Wes, but um, I don't think the goal that he gave away helped at all. But I said, it was just going to things. We just had a little bit of Prutz coming on, getting sent off straight away, killed us. Obviously, then obviously we used all our subs. My groin was killing me because I didn't think Dream was going to be any, on any longer than 10 minutes. I ended up having to play 40-odd minutes. And to be fair, if we got through then, I was never making the final. Then anyway, I was done. So yeah. I was, yeah. I, I enough rip me groin by the time the game had finished, I think. So, um but that was just the way it is. But that's football. That's why we love it. And that season, you're Forest player of the season and you're top goal scorer. So a disappointing end, but personally a good season for you. The following season, it's not so good on a personal level. You score three goals, but Forest get promoted eventually and, and find their way to the championship automatically against Yeovil on the last day. Now, this is the point where your Forest career comes to an end and Forest having just gone into the championship, you then moved to Shrewsbury who at the time are in league two. Was that a difficult decision or did you know that your time at Forest was at an end and it was the right time to move on? I kind of knew it was at the end in terms of with the manager. I knew I wasn't going to play. I'd been, <clears throat> I went on loan to Blackpool just for the sake of, I knew I wasn't going to play and I didn't want to be that person who was hanging around be in the dressing room. I wanted the boys to get promoted and I didn't want to be there and be another body. And look, I'd have still supported them all the way, but I needed to get out basically because they needed to bring up do other stuff. So that was fine. So, um, and I knew it was kind of the likelihood was I was going to leave. But in the back of my mind, I was thinking, we just scraped up again. We've gone up just only because Carlisle absolutely screwed it and bottled it basically. Um, and I was looking, thinking, well, he could be gone in three months. I'd seen it before. I'd, I'd left I left Shepherd Wednesday and went to Rochdale. And I had the same decision to make, to go or not go. Chris Turner was under pressure, blah, blah, blah. And I decided to go. And I jumped. And I went early. And then Paul Sturrock came in after that. And then they went on their rise. They went League One promoted. And they nearly got up for the championship and gone up. And he'd been trying to sign me at Plymouth for ages. And... um I was like, I was sitting there thinking, Paul, is this going to be another Chris Turner scenario where I leave and go to somewhere else and then he gets sacked and a new manager comes in and, and da da da? Because I knew I could play in the championship. I knew I could play there. It wasn't like I was, I wasn't feeling well. I knew I was good enough to play. I knew I was good enough to play in that, that level. I just needed a bit of a consistency player. So, and that was kind of it. I kind of knew it might do it. And then we went away. We had, uh, we had a trip to Marbella for getting promoted and we're all at, we're all at my bear and we're all sitting out and we're all on the beds and blah, blah. And the next minute my phone rings and I got a phone call and it was Paul Simpson from Shrewsbury. He's like, hold it, can I have a, can I have a chat? And I went, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Give us a second, blah, blah. So I kind of moved away from him when I was like, I, because obviously I knew him because he was at Carlisle and a bit of a legend and stuff. Yeah. I, I, I'm, um, I've just been told I can sign you for 100, 170 grand. Um, uh, you are? He went, yeah, yeah. Um, We've been told you're for sale. I've spoke to the club, and the club said you're you for sale. I went, oh, that's interesting because no one's told me that I'm actually getting sold yet. So, um, 
so anyway, he told me, bye bye, this is what we're doing. What do you think? And I said, look, I'm in my bay at the moment with all the lads. I'm not thinking about it. I'm coming home next week. And then now you told me that I'll let, now I now know, I'll then kind of have a conversation with you. So as I walked back over to the thing, it was as I walked back over to the seat and sat down, blah, blah, blah. Everyone's looking out, da, da, da. And um, Colin had got up and I said to him, oh, Colin, just let you know, Paul Simpson's just rang me and told me you're selling me for 170. I went, fucking hell, you're letting me go a bit cheap, aren't you? And he just, <laughs> he just kind of looked and then, like, where has he gone with this? And I was like, I, I just kind of went, oh, look, I said, it is what it is. I said, you could have given us a key, you could have given us a curse, you fucking tell me, though. And he just kind of looked. I said, well, you're up now anyway, so if you buy me a beer, we'll call it quits. So then, <laughs> look, I'm, I'm not stupid, but it's part and parcel of football, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's like, it is what it is. Did, was I disappointed that I hadn't got told? Yeah, I'd have rather heard it from the horse's mouth, from the club and than the manager that actually, yeah, you can leave. Um, but I already kind of knew it was going to come anyway. It's just a case of when, really. Uh, and that was it, basically. That was kind of the conversation. And then I got to Shrewsbury and then basically the chairman wouldn't let me leave the room until I signed a contract. And and then that was that. So how many years was your Shrewsbury for then? Just one. Just one, then, because um, I think at the time uh, when you left Rosebury, um, Paul Lambert was it was he at Colchester? And he tried to sign you there. Then did they get the Colchester beat Norwich seven one or something on opening day, and then you went to yeah. Norwich with oh. Paul Lambert. Yeah. So basically, what happened was when when I went to Shrewsbury, I'll give you try and give you the quickest version possible. Otherwise, it would be all night with the chairman. I basically went to Shrewsbury and spoke to Paul Simpson. I knew I'd sign for him because he's him, but obviously they were in League Two at the time. Got up to the chairman, chairman said, look, these are your wages, that's what I'm give you, blah, blah, blah. I was like, that's fine. I, I kind of know you're in League Two, this, that, and the other. Um, I said, but where's your ambitions, blah, blah, and this is what I want to take the club and I want to do this, and we've just built a new stand, and, and da, da, da. I said, look, well, I'll tell you, so I said, well, I've got a few things I need to tie it with Forrest because I still had some bonuses and stuff that need to come in from all different stuff, and, and we're trying to sort that in the background. So, so I'll tell you what I'll do is I'll leave now and then we'll see what happens over the next few days and I'll see you on Monday. And he's like, no, no, you're not leaving. He's like, the moment you leave this door and everyone knows you're here, everyone's going to ring you. So what, so I had to write the number what I was owed and bonuses and this, that, and the other, blah, blah. He's like, right, that's fine. Give me 10 minutes. So he went, right. So he went, that's fine. I've, I've put all that into your bank account already. And I'm like, who are? He went, yeah, I've put that in already. So I'll get it off then when he comes in. And I'll get it back off you. Um, and I'll sign today. And because otherwise, if I let you out the door, I said, well, I'm not going to sign today because I, I can't do it. But I said, I'll shake your hand on it that I'll sign. And I said, if you trust us, then my hands might shake that thing. He said, well, that's fine. I'll do exactly the same deal. Um, but one on one for me is I'm going to stick, I want a clause in there for £400,000. And if anyone pays that money for you, I'll let you go the next day. He said, but don't knock on my door until you get that money. So I said, that's fine. So I shook his hand there, there, walked out, literally got in the got in the car, agent like rang me. Yeah, how did you go? Yeah, it was good. Da, 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 da. Looked down at about 17 missed calls of about 16 different voicemails of different clubs saying, oh, I've heard you for sale, blah, blah, this, that, and the other. had to say to me, agent, oh, you need to ring so-and-so, 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 and tell them I've, I've, signed, for Chef, uh, I've signed for Shrewsbury. You can't follow that from a, uh, a chairman, can you, for doing all of that? Because, uh, like I said, I, I don't know who the chairman is and I don't know what his financial background is. And I know 
no disrespect to Shre- uh, Shrewsbury, but they're not going to be like be able to chuck loads of money. But to do that, to get you into the club, that that's an unbelievable gesture, isn't it, from the chairman? You can't fault that. Yeah, well, that was it. But the, the, the moment he said that, regardless if he'd put the money or not, because he'd said it and he would have done it, I'd have, I'd have, that was enough for me. So you kind of, no matter all the spiel we hear, them, we're going to do this and we're going to build it, like, to just have him say them and that instant straight away, you straight away think, well, this guy really wants you in the door. He really enjoys it. And he said to me when I signed, he went, he said, I, I've seen you play, I played against Shrewsbury first game of the season, Joe Hart's first ever game, funny enough. And I scored straight away and I knocked one of the centre-halves absolutely flying when I was at Rochdale. And the chairman had said at that moment, if that kid ever comes up for sale, I'm having him. And then as soon as Paul Simpson gave him a list of the, the, the thing, it went, he just went, no, get rid of this. How much is he going to cost me at the top? Because I was on the top of the list. And as soon as he heard what he was going to give me, he was like, I'm just paying it. I want him. And that was it. So to have like someone that ruthless to say, I actually want you. And, and I still see him. I've seen him like a few weeks ago, went back to testimonial there. And he's like, come up, have a glass of red wine and blah, blah, blah. Um, and to be fair, and that's what happened with the, the, the what happened with the cultures thing was cultures kept bidding and so they went 300 grand, 315, three, like 330. And then Paul Lambert's ring me going, you need, you need to like, what's going on? Are you, do you, where do you want to go? Blah, blah. Because they obviously knew I was speaking. They said, cultures to bid this. I said, look, I'm not going to speak to the chairman until you get to 400 grand. I told him. So, and that was a conversation. So I said, get to the money and we'll leave. And literally they couldn't get to it. And then Norwich came in with 400 grand. And then I went to Norwich. And then, like you said, we played them. First game of the season, we got beat 7-1. He was at Colchester. And and about two weeks later, he was then the manager at Norwich, which is dream stuff for me. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. With the chairman at Shrewsbury, it's like a two-way street. He's like showed you that respect, and you're doing the, like just giving it back what he gave to you, which is like a really nice thing. And he hasn't like he's got you as a player, but then he's not stopping you from like going to like a no disrespect to him, but a bigger club in terms of Norwich. And so you can't fault that from him, like I've uh, said so. Um, but then you went from like League One to the Premier League. So some journey that is under Paul Lambert at Norwich. It was just it was just a whirlwind. We just kind of everything kind of aligned at the right time. The the right manager for the right set of players with him and Ian Colbert so just perfect for what the players needed. The club had kind of just gone through a really, really tough time and like like a bit like Forest, you'd had loads of different managers, loads of loan players. No one really knew where you were, you know, didn't have an identity. He came in and just showed everyone a team of hard work and lads who are going to run through walls for you and keep going and keep going and keep going and see where it takes you and it just culminates look, look we also had some very good players that came through the door you had Wes Hulhan you had Russell Martin you had I was myself we've gone in you had Chris Martin you had just to name a few David we've gone through the whole team what we had in the building was a lot of lads who have been at League 2 League 1 who'd been in the championship but touched a bit like me touched the waters a little bit but not really to cement themselves and then when we got the championship, we had that momentum from the year before, but we were so confident with our own ability of what we were as a group that we weren't scared of anyone. And I think the fact that we've been in League One, like you said before, about having 26,000 every single week in League One, that, like you said, everyone's coming into their cup final. Well, going down to Norwich, still over, big crowd tomorrow. Weather's always decent down here, to be fair. You don't really get many rainy days, so it's not that cold. 
So everyone loved coming. So we'd had all that all before. So when we got the championship, it wasn't like all oh, these big crowds. It was kind of like, well, that's just a given. And then we were going places with so much confidence, but we were still the underdog because no one really fancied us that yeah. year at yeah. all. So we, we turned up the grounds and going, oh, it's only Norwich. And we were like beating, turning teams over like 3 0, 4 0. And people were like, where the hell are these dogs came from? Yeah. And it just snowballed. We played Ipswich early on, which helped with about five, five, six games. And we got, we got rid of one of the first derbies and beat them 4 1, which kind of was massive. We hadn't beaten them for years. And then we went and spanked them 4 1. <clears throat> And I just kind of let it just snowballed and snowballed and snowballed. And then to the point where we were thinking, we got to about, I think it was about February and we're thinking we could actually do this. And I think the reason we done it was just because we had that many players that in the building knew. We all probably, I'd probably say 75% of the squad at the time knew that if we didn't get promoted, we weren't getting signed by anyone in the Premier League. So we knew that it was like we had to get up, we had to get promoted because otherwise we weren't getting signed by any of the Premier League. I was yeah. 31 at the time. So we knew this was the last chance saloon, really. So, and I think that's why we've done it in the end. We, we ran further than anyone. We worked, worked people. We, we were very much like Luton have been this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we had the same feeling a couple of years ago. We got to the February and um, we had a decent FA Cup run. And you think this is going to like, this snowball effect it just takes you then I think we lost against Luton on the Good Friday then played West Brom beating 4-0 at City Ground and you thought at that point we might get into the playoffs then what happens happens and but yeah a bit like you that snowball effect everybody's on board manager players the fans and it can take you a long way can't it yeah it's, it's just that you just get that buzz and the pipe and everything's gone mm. well and we had a good group and we enjoyed being with each other we it was it's pretty similar to when it was at Forest. I've been very fortunate. I've been in some really good dress rooms, really good dress rooms. I don't I don't think I've been in a bad one in my whole career in terms of of a group of players. Everyone got on. Everyone enjoyed it. Everyone was happy to be in each other's company. And when you're in them leagues and you're doing some of the journeys we talked about before about Norwich, it's it's there's not many places you go that isn't a journey. And when you're sitting on the bus back from Hartlepool on a Tuesday night and you're getting in at five and four in the morning and being on the bus. You talk about your matches. We used to we used to debrief a game on the bus on the way home. By the time we got back to Norwich, the game was finished. We're ready for the next one. So it was kind of like just a, a snowball, like I said, a snowball effect. And I said to go into the Premier League and actually achieve what we achieved was phenomenal, really. Yeah. And being in the Premier League, you got into the periphery of the England um, team. Um, at the time, who was the manager and what players uh, were in your position if you got into the I squad? Really. I was unlucky, really. So it was... Pello was the manager, and then he got and that season, and then he got sacked, and then there was one game in between. This is where you used to hate me, yeah. and then there was one game between where Stuart Pearce took over. So Pearce took over, and then Pearce decided to call up all his 21s to the team rather than let get me and Danny Graham at the time. It was kind of looking to get in. There's like Rooney was ahead of us, obviously, which is always going to be there. You had Crouchy there. Um, you had who else was there at the time? Uh, Would Defoe be there in place like that? Oh, they'd gone. It was like Andy Carroll had been in and around it. Oh, yeah. so that was kind of where they were really, and then it was kind of us on the on the on the edges of that really. Um, and it, he killed us really. He called up these. He called up the younger ones for this this friendly game, which I still think we should have probably played in to have a look at what we could have brought to the, to the party. Um, it didn't happen, and then obviously that the, there was no other opportunity to play before the Euros. So 
if I'm sitting in the manager's chair, would I have taken a guy who's never kicked the ball for England to go straight into a tournament for the Euros? I probably wouldn't have. In my opinion, I would have done it. Do I deserve to go? I think I probably did at the time because I was probably the, the one who probably was scoring all the goals and probably the one that everyone was kind of talking about to go. But he decided to go with with other players and, and that's that's his job really. But really disappointed. I've seen PSE about, it was in the pre-season before, after we came back from the Euros actually, uh, the England 21s are training down the uh, the training ground and I'd shout it to PSC. I'll give a kick one of the England balls because I've never touched <laughs> one of them. <laughs> yeah. We got, yeah. So we got a similar no. thing at the moment with uh, Gibbs White. We're like, he had an unbelievable season for us, but he's just making that. I mean, I know he's played for the under 21s or whatever it was a couple of weeks ago and won the tournament and everything, but you, you kind of like sometimes you get certain players who just stop. Him getting it so, yeah. like for example, Mason Mount at the moment, which he, I don't think he had the best season for Chelsea, but because he's playing for Chelsea with Morgan Gibbs White at the Forest, it's probably that. Well, they'll tell you it isn't. They'll tell you it isn't. It's not about it's not about where you are. It's about who plays what. So they'll they'll tell you the the DNA or whatever it is. But look, it, it's pound past football. It's his opinions. The thing is, like I said, to there's far better players than me never played for England. Or got only got one cap. There's way better players than me. I was just fortunate enough that I was in an era where we yeah. didn't really have many forwards, and I nearly got an opportunity to play. So I said, and that's just part and parcel of football. Do I do? I'm a gutted. Absolutely. Would you love to play for your country? Of course you would. But if someone had told me when I was a tire fitter that I'd have played in the Premier League, I'd have laughed then. So I said, it's it's kind of one of them things, really. After you leave Norwich, you have spells at Wigan. You go on loan to. Villa, Huddersfield. I think you score against Forest in your time at Huddersfield, if I remember rightly. Um, yeah. And then spells back at Rochdale, Hibernian. That sounds like an interesting time, actually, when, when you're playing in Scotland. I think you, you say it was kind of one of the favourite periods of your career, wasn't it? Yeah, I absolutely loved it. Loved it. Um, look, I'd gone to Wigan and then Owen Coyle was there and then Owen had got sacked, Juve Rosler came in. Then I was kind of nowhere near it. He didn't like me. He didn't. He didn't. I wasn't his cup of tea. That's fair. And I've got. I got treated horrifically by Wigan in terms of off the field stuff that they were doing, which was very, very poor. Um, and I went to Huddersfield with Chris Uton, who kind of gave me a spark again. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. I was just a. Wanted to sign it. They'd offered me a two and a half year contract, which I'd gladly signed on the dotted line. Um, for some reason, Wigan wouldn't let me sign it. They were like, "Oh, we're not sure what's happened with the manager. You can't sign it." Blah blah blah. Never got, never got signed. And then um, I ended up doing me ACL on Boxing Day, um, and that was it. Really, Wigan was done. I was kind of dancing around. I was trying to get back. I probably I wasn't right. By the time I got back, I'd gone to Wolves, and I was probably not fit enough at the time. And then I knew that um, I got a phone call off Keith Hill. And said, look, do us a favour, just come in and give this group a bit of a bounce. I just want you to come in, be you, your player. I want you the the energy. I want the old man back morning and thing. And and it was great. I went into Rochdale and I could kind of be a, the older figure, which I'd seen years ago when I when I was there with the older boys. And he just gave me a bit of a smile on my face again. Just let me relax a little bit. Um, and off the back of that, I knew I was only going to be there for a couple of months. Uh, Neil Lennon had gone up to... Uh, uh, Hibs, who obviously I've been with at Forest, and then he's like, "What are you thinking?" And I was like, "Well, I don't know." And he went, "Well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you, I'll give you one year, 
come up and do what you need to do and then we'll we'll worry about the next year afterwards and see what it takes us. And I obviously knew quite a lot about Scottish football because obviously from being from Carlisle, we're literally on the border. We used to get it back on the TV and BBC yeah. Two was on Scotland Channel anyway. So I used to get quite a lot of Scotland games back in the day. So I knew quite a lot about the league and stuff and I knew what Hibs were like. So I thought, well, at least it could be a good chance for me just to go and have some fun. And, oh, I absolutely loved it. Same again, another good group, ended up winning the league. Um, we're unfortunately got the semi-finals of the Cup. It's just a good year. And uh, is it right now you're doing a bit of work at West Ham as a scout? Or what we've yes. reading on Wikipedia again? Yeah, yeah, no. So, um, yeah, so I basically... Um, I'm first team scout there at West Ham, so I do all the first team stuff. So I've done two years at Norwich recruitment. I've done this is me. This would be my third year with West Ham. So yeah, interesting. So how, how did you get in there? Did you know like is it Kevin Nolan or players like that? Or I, 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 obviously, I, when I came back, I'd done two years at Norwich, and then uh, someone I knew ended up getting the head of recruitment job there, Rob Newman, and just said to me, "Look, do you do you fancy coming in and, and making the next step?" And I was like, "Yeah, absolutely." So. Been there for two years now, done Italy and all over and been all over Europe watching first team players. And I said, it's, it's one of the things where you stop travelling for football and think this will be all right. And then I do more travelling now than I've ever done. But I said, it keeps keeps me in football, keeps me in and around and watching stuff. I'm, I've done all my coaching badges, I've done all my manager stuff around it. So just trying to get as much knowledge and wealth as I can and see where I want to go, really. I said, yeah. I promise to be at home for for a long time, well, a long while, so the girls get a little bit older. So I've got a couple yeah. of years left and then I can kind of decide where I want to go from there, really. Yeah. Have you got any plans of going into coaching or management or are you happy with just what you're doing at the moment with your scouting? Uh, and... Yeah, I think so, eventually. Yeah, I was, I'm very fortunate. I, I run a, I do a private school here as well, so I run their football programme as well. So I kind of keep my hand in a little bit as well. So I, I run that as well as doing the other stuff as well. So we still do coaching. We've got kids, we've got girls, we've got younger ones. We do 12s to 18s. So I kind of do all that, and then yeah, I'll see eventually. It takes a lot of time up. That's that's the trouble, you guys. Yeah. yeah, go back and you step into it. And I'm not the trouble with me is I'm not someone who steps in. I can't do it half-hearted. So if yeah. I want to step in, I've got to do it properly. And and me being me, if I want to step into, I want to try and be the best version as I can be. So I can't have anything that's gonna get in the way of me doing that. So that's why I've got to kind of get ready for the right time. I've, as I said, I've done all my badges in the background, everything's sitting there, so I'm probably the most qualified I can ever be for any job I want to go for. So we'll wait and see. Yeah, nice one. So we're, just before we wrap up, are you still in touch with any of the Forest players who you was uh, with um, in your two years here? Yeah, I still speak to a few of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so we're going to have a... You're not going to be a quiz here, are you? Uh, it's well you, you should know a couple of bits anyway so they're not hard questions so it's just a quick fire round to finish off regarding your career at Forest so uh, first question what was your favourite Forest goal? Oof. God quick fire um, <laughs> actually don't know I don't know we'll come back to it I think it's got many good ones loads of tappings I can remember one goal you scored at Crew, which I thought was a pretty good, decent goal. Well, I yeah, think that you... was all right, actually. That's yeah. one of the sniper one afterwards, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you put it in top corner at Gresty yeah. Road. So, yeah. I think you scored a hat-trick that day. Yeah. Wow. Well, <laughs> very rare. So, um, <laughs> who was your roommate at Forest? Or did uh, it change? It changed. I had Sammy Klingon. I had James Perch for a little bit, then I had Sammy Klingon. 
So did you always have the same one or did it did the try and rotate it so you like got a bit of everybody kind of thing? Well you kind of got the same ones really. All right, fair it is. And on, yeah. so next question, which is your best away game? It doesn't have to be with Forest, can be anywhere. The best away game was the one at Yeovil when we beat yeah. them in the two 0 because there was a lot of like pressure on it. And even though I didn't play in it, to yeah. actually be in around it. And the other one was that I loved I managed to get to the, the game when we got promoted. So I was I was in the box, which was worse being in the box because we could watch the telly from the game at Cheltenham. All oh, right, yeah, yeah. We watched that game as that was going on, which was even worse. I was like, I'd rather be on the pitch than actually watching. <laughs> yeah, the tension and everything. So, yeah. um, and also, what was your best away ground you played at? Ooh, with for when we were for or, or anywhere you like your favorite oh, away ground. Oh, the oh god, the best. Best I played at, I liked Anfield. Of it. I quite like Anfield. Yeah, it's tight. Yeah, first time I went to Anfield last year uh, with Forest, and it's like surreal, isn't it? With the cop at the other it's end, and everything. It, it is tight. Yeah, it's on top of you. Yeah, so big. It's like you still feel like someone could punch you in the face. <laughs> um, and finally, who's the best uh, player you've ever played with? It can be a Forest player or throughout your career. Um, I think the best I played was probably. Fabian Delph would be up there. He's very good in terms of when he was on it. It was, it was at the time him and uh, and obviously seeing Jack coming through when he was a kid. Probably where was when I was at Norwich was top top draw. Um, I'd probably put in as well. I'd probably say Chris Commons. Yeah. When Chris was on it, when he was on it, and he was in train and he was flying. There wasn't. There's was not many could get near him. Yeah, it was a. It was a um, I mean. It, I know he went to Derby and everything, for, but like you said, when he was on it, he was a cracking player to um, watch. Take him inside, outside, could always got his cross in, just top drop. Yeah, yeah. It would have been nice to probably see him play in the Premier League because he just had like drop of the shoulder and everything. And he was a good player to watch, but then obviously he went now, to the Celtic. I think if he played now, it'd have been even better the way that the wingers roll in and always get balls inside and be able to go in and do what he need to do. I think it'd be, well, yeah, it'd be flying. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that's the quick, quick fire round. So, and I think Steve wants to discuss your charity, what you're involved with. Yeah. So, just to finish off, let's just quickly talk about the charity. Each East Anglian Children's Hospice, uh, which supports families and cares for children and young people with life-threatening conditions across East Anglia. Just tell us about the the work that you do with them and and the fundraising that you're involved with. Yeah, I work. I work with a. I'm an ambassador for a company down here, ARC, which is a recruitment company. So we, as a as a company, we try and give pick a charity per year, go and do some. What can we do? What can we achieve? What can we get for them? Uh, the hospital has been massively bigged up this year, even more than it's ever been. We, we've unfortunately we lost a young girl called Amber, who was a mad football fan, and she was known by all the Norwich fans and known by everyone, and it was obviously well-known she was at the end, end of life care in, in the facility. So um, we kind of got doing that and being part of it. And the ARC is trying to back that now. I went around there the other week. They get, it costs over £7,000 a day to keep this facility going, which is insane for, for how much they need to raise. But what it does give you, it gives you that facility where you can go and take them just to go and let your child go in and get a bit of sensory while you go and have a coffee and kind of, what people don't understand, it's not it's not always about the child, it's the parents. 
we're fortunate our girls are, are okay and everything's all right. But it's the parents having that time just to go and have a coffee for a bit, little bit of peace. And they go in there, they put the kids in, the kids have a wheel of time. They've got the player, they've got the sensory, they've got the, the people to take care of them. Um, they've got the fun side. But also what they've got is got the end of life care. They've got the other things that happen. If you want to go in for a bath, you can take them in because what we take for granted is really difficult for a, a massive bunch of people. So what we've basically done is we try and get bigger last year. Last year I've done a skydive. This year, stupidly, I've decided that I'm going to walk from uh, our offices, which are ARC's offices in, in Ipswich, to the Nook, which works out about 49 miles on a walk. So I put it on the old Google Maps, and it's saying it's going to be about 16 hours, but I think we're looking probably more about 18 and a half. So we're going to try and do it through the night, keep going, get it through, raise as much money as we can. Um, unfortunately for... Uh, the each it's a children's charity so they only get 15% help from the government compared to 36% if they're adults which is insane but that's a debate for another day and another channel supposedly um, and and I'm just trying to raise as much awareness as I can obviously you'll have seen a lot of the boys are doing walking brilliant uh, it's been all over the place with, with Dean and all the boys and, and Crossy obviously is doing all their stuff so um, kind of spoke to little bits with them about doing it and seeing it so um, I'm just trying to raise as much as I can, get as much money in the pot. Um, and obviously, hopefully, you boys will find the link or everyone can have a little look at it later on and uh, and we'll see where it takes us. But as I said, yeah, I'm a little bit done. It's three weeks out now, so I'm starting to build it up a little bit. But it's quite, yeah, it's a lot. Everyone, the funny thing is everyone says it's walk, it's only a walk. Well, just walk to work. So just walk to work tomorrow. If you yeah. think it's only a walk, just walk to work tomorrow. <laughs> No, I don't mean you live around the corner or you're going into the garage. If you're living out, so if you're sitting in, in in West Bridgeford now and you're going to walk all the way to the city centre, go and do it. Walk a little bit further. Maybe walk, where can you go? Walk from the city ground all the way across town and see where it takes you. Make sure you give yourself plenty of time because it takes a bloody long way, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, but um, what's the website where we can find you on there? Um, it, I'll, if you put the link up at the end for me, that'd be easier. It's on the it's ARC's website. You can go on there, click on it, and thing. But if you, I'll, I've sent you links over, if you if you check it on there, that'd be perfect. Boys, and uh, hopefully raise a good bit of money for them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, but, yeah so good that, luck with it, and we'll yeah we'll share that out. But uh, no, thank you for coming on and uh, and spending well an hour and a half with us uh, discussing your career and obviously uh, charity and and everything with uh, each. So thanks again for coming on. Cheers, thanks very much. No problem. Thanks, Take right. care and best of luck with it all. Cheers. Thanks very much, boys. Podcast Network.